Hello everyone, this is the Frog and the Dragon podcast. As usual, my name is Rupert Fling from Germany, and I'm as usually joined by... It's Bengal Foil. How's everyone doing? Hey, so today we got a special topic. Um, we're special in the sense that we're talking about a very specific sort of card. Yeah, going in kind of needle close and looking at a subset of cards and how they can impact your cube. And we're talking about Phyrexian Mana today. And as well, keep an eye out for, at the end of the show, we're also going to talk about the Strixhaven spoilers that came out this week and what that kind of, our first look at the set means to you and the potential for draft. But the bulk of the episode, let's get it started with Phyrexian Mana. So Rupert, what the hell's Phyrexian Mana? So Phyrexian Mana looks kind of weird when you look at the card because um, it is a mana symbol. Just from the looks of it, well, let's start with that. It is a mana symbol in the respect, respective color, but uh, instead of that standard um, blue, red, white mana symbol, there's a Phyrexian mana symbol. For those so what that, that means... For those of you that study mathematics or fucking Latin for some reason, it's the symbol phi, or Greek, that's, sorry. That's Greek, you genius. <laughs> hey, I, I caught it, I caught it. Um, I called myself out. But yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so what that means is um, that you can pay this particular part of the mana cost with either the respective color or two life. And in actually so, all yeah. of the examples of Phyrexian mana they've printed so far, they've all been monocolored cards that have all of the color has been replaced by this Phyrexian mana. So there, I've never seen a card that is you must pay a regular green and a Phyrexian green. So all of these are um, have this unusual property where if it's a Phyrexian green card, for example, you could play it in your red deck, in a mono red deck, by just you know always paying the life instead of paying the mana cost. But it has yeah, that additional yeah. bit of flexibility for, the say, the green deck, in the case of Phyrexian green, that, oh, I have the extra mana laying around, I'll just pay it and save myself the life. Yeah, and of course, this has some major implications on uh, balancing your cube, but more to that later. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot to do with color identity as well, because, Absolutely. again, you're giving access to effects to essentially all of the colors through the use of Phyrexian. So, Which is actually also the reason why uh, Phyrexian mana is such a controversial topic. Mm -hmm. I mean, because ha having access to... Uh, stuff that the colors you're playing shouldn't have access to yep it's um it's a similar argument to the hybrid mana argument you'll see people a lot of the time we're like in the case of like 60 card constructed a say something that cost you hybrid boros could just be played in a mono red deck and mm. similarly something that's phyrexian white can be played in that mono red deck and while commander doesn't need to worry about this because Say in the case of, let's say, Birthing Pod, for example, it's Phyrexian green, its identity is green, so a red commander cannot play it. But in 60-card constructed, anyone can play it. So there is this interesting discussion about the sort of color break that you see with Phyrexian mana. Um, mm -hmm. But hey, let's go ahead and kind of give a brief history on Phyrexian mana, because it has very notoriously been known for being very powerful, which is a bit of a double-edged sword, because in fact... Of the 36 cards that reference or have Phyrexian mana in them, only three of them have ever been banned in any formats. And mm -hmm. funnily enough, the same three cards keep showing up. So um, <laughs> three cards I'd like to highlight are Birthing Pod, Mental Misstep, and Gitaxian Probe. So mm -hmm. let's start with Birthing Pod. It's three and a Phyrexian green for an artifact that reads, pay one and a Phyrexian green and tap, mm -hmm. sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrificed creature's mana cost. Put that mm -hmm. card onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. Activate this ability only as a sorcery. So this is very reminiscent for people who maybe are newer to the game of a card like Prime Speaker Vanifar, who was in War of the Spark mm -hmm. there a year or so ago. And mm -hmm. it's where the term pod comes from, birthing pod. This is the original of that effect, where you sack a creature, get something that's one bigger. The card is notorious as a combo deck, where what you'll often see people do is they will search for a card that allows them to untap a permanent. So they'll mm. go, let's say, Birthing Pod, get Deceiver Exarch, a 3-drop that untaps an artifact. You mm. sack the Deceiver Exarch and get a 4-drop that untaps, and rinse and repeat until you get to a really big creature that would win you the game. 
Yeah. And the same thing, of course, can be done with Vanifar, but the advantage with Birthing Pod is it's an artifact, so it's easier to protect than a creature. And secondly, sure. because it's an artifact, you can activate it straight away. Vanifar needs a turn to get going. And lastly, mm. again, as we said, because it's Phyrexian Green, you don't need to be in the green deck to play this. You can play it anywhere. Um, yeah. In terms of like cube design, again, Birthing Pod, while it's powerful and constructed because you can guarantee consistency, I think it's less powerful in cube because absolutely you like you really have to build uh, build around that you one. need to do, yeah you need to build around it you need to have slots devoted to it so that could be very parasitic if you're putting in cards that purely fit the pod deck i think mm. something that works well when you have pod in your cube is a kiki jiki combo deck because the same mm. cards that kiki jiki want are the same cards that pod wants for example pester might yeah. deceiver exarch so mm. if you put the both of those in the deck you could either have a teamer combo deck or you could have two different decks that are both competing for the same pieces, like a Simic Pod versus uh, Is It Kiki Jiki. Um, the next card to mention on the list of banned cards is Mental Misstep, which is one Phyrexian Blue for an instant, so basically zero mana, uh, for a mm. counter-target spell with converted mana cost one, so exactly one mana. Yeah, Again, so this, go ahead. Yeah, this is really, really situational. Like At least in the limited environment. In Constructed, it's Pretty, pretty good because uh, it's very well suited for high-powered formats. Yeah, where um, the one drops and, matter. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but in limited, well, it depends on your cube. If you're playing with a high-power cube, of course, mental misstep might have a spot in that. I believe it's in the vintage cube. Like, so there is a place oh, is for it? it. Yeah, yeah. It's just you need to be wary of it. That like. The fact that it's hitting only one drops, like, is that something that you want? For example, do you want mm. the blue deck, or do you want decks in general to be able to go, oh, the aggro deck plays a goblin guide, get rid of it straight away? Is that an environment you want? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Um, the other thing to note is that it's exactly one. So this does not counter, like, Black Lotus, it does not counter a Mox, you know, and things like that. Yeah. So you do have to be careful with it in that regard. Again, it's even more situational than that. And... But, but once again, like this makes it also very easy to balance this card because um, it's basically the um, the process of uh, assessing the effectiveness of your removal. But uh, in that case, there is like this very very specific yeah like amount of cards that um, this works against. Yeah, like it's it's it is only as powerful as the number of one drops in the cube. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um... <laughs> The last one to mention uh, is Gitaxian Probe, which costs a Phyrexian Blue for a sorcery that reads, look at target player's hand, draw a card. So this is the one that is probably, of the three here, that is, I think, the most ubiquitously powerful and that it would have the easiest time fitting into just whatever deck. Functionally, this is, at least in a cube perspective, it makes your, car your deck have one less card, which is an improvement to consistency. Um plain and simple secondly it's just a you know as an aggro deck in particular you may like mental misstep as it would be a good chance for you to look at your opponent's hand and say okay are they going to counter my big buff spell are they going to counter my whatever so it mm -hmm. gives you information and information for nothing or information for two life is a very small cost to pay yeah. um again granted this is much better and constructed when you are playing four of them and you're turning your 60 card deck into a 56 card deck but still <laughs> Even just as a one of, like, I mean, it's definitely one of those cards where, like, if you pass it in a pack, it's not coming back to you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, pretty sure. <laughs> another really good home for this is Storm. Storm decks love this, again, because mm. it's it's another to your Storm camp, and it draws you a card, so you can just keep going and going and going with your Storm loop. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, what format these were banned in, all three of these are banned in Modern. Pauper has banned Gitax... Popper has banned uh, Gitaxian Probe, and technically mm. the other two, but that's only because Mental Misstep and Birthing Pod are yeah, no. uncommon and rare. <laughs> um, Legacy has banned Git Probe and Misstep, and mm. um, restrictions are put on Git Probe and Mental Misstep in Vintage. So, mm. again, you kind of have to keep in mind, like, these were banned in almost everywhere. None of them were banned in the standard of their time, notably, which is kind of an interesting thing, which again speaks to the fact that Mental Misstep and Birthing Pot are both very situational. So yeah. that's a bit, of a, a bit of a clue there into their power.
But let's go ahead and stepping away from the banned cards, let's talk mm-hmm. about some notably powerful cards that you may want to include in the cube in a more general sense. Things that yeah, sure. don't necessarily require the, these huge build-arounds or mm-hmm. design-arounds. Yeah. Rupert, do you want to pick something here? What do you like the look of? Absolutely. So uh, one of my personal favorites would be Phyraxian Metamorph, with, which is three and a blue Phyraxian mana. Um, for a zero zero artifact creature shapeshifter that reads, you may have Phyrexian Metamorph enter the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or creature on the battlefield, except it's an artifact in addition to its other type. Mm-hmm. So basically, three mana copy target artifact or creature. Very which flexible. Either gives you that head start um, ahead of your opponent by doubling your bomb, or you're copying your opponent's bomb and uh, therefore have an answer. So I like the flexibility of this. Um, in Commander, I use this as combo piece, or, um, combo piece redundancy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really solid card. And as you, as you already said and um, mentioned it many, many times, um, the fact that, that you can just use this in any color. Wonderful. So, so good. Yeah, and as well, it has certain, like, again, you can compare these to other clones. For example, you can compare it to Clever Impersonator, which copies any permanent, but that's four yeah. mana, and it's two and double blue. So it's it's yeah. very strictly a blue card, whereas this, again, you can fit it into any deck. You can, even if you are playing a blue deck, if you get screwed on mana, or let's just say, even if mm. even in mono blue, I've been in occasions where, like, the only lands I have are, like, a Wasteland, a Strip Mine, and a Talarian Academy, <laughs> but no mana, you know? With like only one rock or something you know like it can yeah. the fact that you don't need to spend the colors even if you have the color is really nice um mm-hmm. again you do have the bit of a caveat of the fact that it's an artifact and a creature when it comes in like so it is susceptible to a braid and things like that but if that's the worst downside i can call on this card i mean that ain't half bad um let's move on to something else i'm a big fan of um, very simple card dismember it's one mm-hmm. and two Phyrexian black for an instant that reads target creature gets minus five, minus five to the end of turn. This mm-hmm. is, in most cases, this is one mana kill a creature. And yeah. it can just, it can get rid of things that are indestructible, you know, it gets rid of things with, um, you know, things that are difficult to get rid of. I yeah. think it's a rock solid peak, pick in your cube. Peak level removal. Excellent like, removal, yeah. It, like, it, it I, doesn't get much better well, than well, that. Well, like, I rattle on so much about how I love Deadweight and Disfigure, <laughs> and they're both just minus two, minus two. Um, this yeah. is just like, this is a dream come yeah. true for me, you know? Like, I'm mm. always happy. Like, you know, even, you know, it gets rid of... And, like, yeah, the four life isn't a joke. Like, that is a bit more tough of a sell. But, you know, again, if you... Yeah, but again, like, it depends on what deck you're up against, right? Yeah, like, of course. If, if you're facing an aggro deck, sure, like that, going minus four might be a bit harder to fathom than uh, doing it against a control deck who's just which just played its bomb, and you go like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and again, this even, you know, there's the flexibility I think I like as well, the fact that there's, like, yeah. multiple ways to cast this. Three mana for mm. minus five, minus five, maybe two mana and two life for minus five, you know, like, it's... It does have that flexibility if you do have some of the black mana, but not all of it. Yeah. Um, again, once, once the again vintage... like, this, this would be basically a murder in uh, if if you pay uh, the black mana for it. So it's still usable. Yeah. Like it is not like yeah, like its floor is murder. That's pretty fair. Um, in most cases, anyway. Yeah. Um, and again, the fact that it's an instant, like, even if you are going against something that's really big, you know, you might be able to chump block or and then dismember to finish it off. Like, there is options to it. Mm. Um, again, the fact that it's an instant, still, it still has that play around ability to it. Yeah. Um, anything else here that you want to call out, Rupert, in the Phyrexian scene? Mm, uh, two things that... Um... I think we can just mention in one sentence uh, would be Apostle's Blessing, which is a um, white protection spell, and Mutagenic Growth, which is a green pump spell. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, you can also use Phyrexian Mana for combat tricks. Um, yes, which, sir. Oh boy, the mind games. Because yeah. usually you can play around combat tricks by identifying those untapped lands on your opponent's side of the, bat- of the board. But this... 
mm, makes it much harder to play around. Um, yeah. So Apostle's Blessing is one in the Phyrexian white for an instant that reads target artifact or creature you control gets protection from artifact or from the color of your choice until end of turn. So, you know, in this case, you know, you see the dismember coming, you go, nah, Apostle's Blessing naming black, my creature's safe. And mm. again, that nice little mind games aspect of like, well, he's only got one mana, what could he possibly have? Oh, he has the best answer to spot removal in the game. Um, Bogle's love it. <laughs> uh, one notable thing is um, your artifact, if you choose to give protection from artifacts, your your equipment will fall off your creature. Similarly, if yeah. you name green, for example, and you have like a rancor attached, the rancor falls off. Um, mm. Because protection is from all sources. So just yeah. be cautious about that. Um, but regardless, if, it, if it's the difference between keeping your creature alive and not, yeah. <laughs> worth it. And then mutagenic growth is is just one Phyrexian green to give a creature plus two plus two to land a turn. So this is flat out. I'm tapped out. What could I have? I have a mutagenic growth. Bang. <laughs> Excellent card with some really weird art. Um, this is even more backbreaking, of course, in constructed, where typically what would happen is you'd have a little creature with infect, and you'd have four mutagenic growths in hand, and you go, yeah, give my like two two plus eight plus eight kill you. Mm. And that's again that makes mutagenic growth a bit more balanced in cube because again often cubes are singleton so you know yeah. but hey if you want that style of gameplay of the infect deck combos off hey throw in four mutagenic growths <laughs> why not um another one I want to kind of give a little shout out to is is lash ride which is probably the least playable of the bunch here but I really like it all the same it's four mana for a uh -huh. living weapon so when the equipment mm -hmm. enters you put a zero zero into play and attach this equipment to it. The equipped creature mm -hmm. gets plus one, plus one for each swamp you control, and the equip cost is double Phyrexian black. So you've yeah. got this really interesting equipment that, like, almost kind of, that, like, um, again, in the mono black deck, it's crazy, but, like, you know, sure. you're, the fact that you can play it and equip it immediately with the life is really nice if you want to put it on your own creature, or the fact that it just gives you the token is really strong, too, because it's, again, mm -hmm. equipment often do are kind of bad because you're taking the turn to play it and equip it or just to yeah, play it and yeah. potentially can't equip it but now you get mm -hmm. the creature if you want it or you can equip it to something straight away if you want to go swinging right now yeah that said though like outside of mono black decks um you're very very reliant on that one germ to make it because yeah like um, either that like or having an equip cost of potentially double black is it's kind very, of very difficult yeah. um, The only other thing I'd say is like if you're running Orborg in your deck or in your cube, <laughs> this becomes very yeah, good. Sure, sure, uh, sure. That also helps fix that problem of you know it only being suitable in mono black. But at that point, yeah, it is a bit more fringe. Yeah. Um, one that is definitely less fringe, um, but s still a bit more sideboardy or control orientated. Uh, Rupert, hit us up with Spellskite. So Spellskite is a two-mana, colorless, zero-four artifact horror um, that reads for a blue Phyrexian mana. Change the target of target spell or ability to Spellskite. I really like how this doesn't tap for that ability. So this is mm -hmm. very much an all-out, uh, like, fuck you to the burn decks out there, um, because this can technically eat two lightning bolts. Um, yeah, and th and then again, like let's be fair, this says fuck you to quite a lot of things. It does. Um, I mean, you oh, know, your this, pump spell. Sure, I love that. Your pump spell. <laughs> I'll take that. Oh, you played an or you. Oh wait, no, aura isn't. Uh, does aura's target? Yeah, so you steal auras. You can steal a lot of stuff with this, and again, it all in all just throws a spanner in the works. Um, now, granted, you're paying two life for each time you do that, but. Again, if we're talking in the world of like lightning bolts, it turns two lightning bolts, which would normally yield six, into four damage. So even yep. though you're hurting yourself, it can still be helpful, even in the matchup where you think Phyrexian mana might be bad. Um, yep. Other than that, though, um, it is a very nice sideboard piece, but it may be a bit too. Um, it may be, it may be, it may or may not be right for your queue, depending on how much interaction you're actually running. As well, even just out of the context of burn, it is nice where you can say, well, if someone tries to sort plowshares your creature, you're like, no, no, that sword is going to spell sky. 
it, yeah. it very much seizes up the game and is great in those controlly matchups where you really are slowing down your opponent and not letting them remove the things they want to remove. Mm. Uh, Rupert, what else are we talking about? What other Phyrexian things have we got? So, uh, as you pointed out before we started recording, um, there are two very distinct artifact creature cycles that are in one way or the other related to Phyrexian mana. And the first is a rather simple one. Those are artifact creatures that um, have very box standard um, abilities uh, in respect to their color. Um, an example would be the Spine Thopter, which puts a twist on uh, yeah, your regular Ornithopter for two and a blue Phyrexium, and you get a 2-1 flyer. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially you're paying two um, and two life for a 2-1 flyer, which turn two hey, not bad Pretty like it, again it's nice that you're giving flying potentially to a deck that wants it or a deck that normally doesn't have access to it um mm -hmm. in the same vein there's also porcelain legionnaire which is two in a phyrexian white for a three one with first strike again perhaps you're playing them on a red deck and you want a bit of first strike well porcelain legionnaire is your best friend even in the white decks they're usually not paying the white mana for it yeah um Possibly the best of the bunch, in my opinion, though, is Vault Scourge. Uh, one and a Phyrexian Black Absolutely. for a 1-1 one, one with Flying and Lifelink. So, again, yeah. you're sort of... With one swing, you sort of make back the life difference that you lost by playing the Vault Scourge. Yeah. Um, I think it's really nice. And again, just having that Flying and Lifelink can really just get in for damage over time and help stabilize out game. Absolutely. And once again, the fact that you can play it in any deck is just... Like, yep, and the fact that you can play it on turn one, also really good. <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> one drops are powerful. One drops are king. Um, uh, another thing in the same vein of like, uh, hey, give give keywords to other colors. Uh, Slash Panther mm -hmm. is four and a Perexian red with haste for a four two. Again, mm -hmm. not necessarily astounding, but like if you want that little bit of burst damage in another color, or you just like artifact creatures, you know, this is great. And this cycle, I think, is also just great if you have an artifact theme in your cube, because it means that you are giving a bit of flexibility to the artifact deck to say, you know what, yeah, I'm playing yeah. these artifacts, I'm going to get some tempo by playing the these Phyrexian ones that are, you know, giving me better stats and yeah, better, and yeah. for the, you know, for the effective mana I've spent. And yeah. last one I kind of like here is Thundering Tandon, a 4 and double Phyrexian green for 5-4 with Trample. Again, you're giving access to things outside of its colors. A big 5-4 beater with Trample on turn 4 in a blue deck <laughs> could neat. be enough to, like, you know, turn a few heads. <laughs> um, the second cycle among these are a cycle of artifact creatures that have no Phyrexian mana cost, but they do have Phyrexian activated abilities. Uh, mm -hmm. Rupert, do you have any favorites among these? Um, so I think the one I'm probably most afraid of uh, would be the Immolating Soul Eater. Uh, that said, though, they are all Soul Eater or Soul Eaters, Soul Eaters, in one yeah. way or the other. So, um, Immolating so Soul Eater. A, what is it? Yeah, um, an artifact creature for two. Um, generic. Uh, it's a one-one, but it reads for red or. Phyrexian mana. Uh, you can get, uh, you can give Immolating Soul Eater plus one plus zero, and this is just so dangerous in late game. Yeah, like, and I really like. If, if I see this, I will try to remove it as soon as possible. I really like this the... thing and close up games. I really like the risk reward of it, where like you're giving it plus one, but you're losing two life. So like on the net, you're losing yeah. more life. But if you're an aggressive enough deck that doesn't think the opponent can actually deal that damage, you might yeah. be happy to say, yeah, I'll pay eighteen life and give it plus nine plus nine. So it yeah. really has that nice kind of threat or as well it has the ability to make blocking and trading unfavorable for your opponent mm. um one that i quite like is trespassing soul leader which is the blue one in the cycle it's three generic for a two two artifact creature with pay for Exian blue trans transpassing soul leader is unblockable this turn so talking about weird art <laughs> yeah it's very strange art um yeah don't don't even ask um but yeah, torpedo the, with a mouth coming a out of a wall. Torpedo with a mouth coming out of a wall. That's exactly what it is. Uh, but yeah, and this is a trend amongst all of the Soul Eater cycle, where mm. your their abilities that are until end of turn, which means 
you know, the sort of temporary tempo gain through the ability is sort of set back by the fact that you have to pay it every turn. But similarly, mm -hmm. you can pay it every turn using your life, so it kind of mitigates it. If these were all no. just generically their color to give the ability, that'd be kind of less desirable. But the fact that you have your choice of going mana or life or both, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like back to sorry with the emulating soldier, like imagine paying five mana for the ability and then paying like ten life on top of it. Like that's a has a lot of potential. Um, but yeah, the Trespassing Soul Leader, again, has that ability to sort of clean out the game by being unblockable and letting you just get in that chip damage. And the fact that it's mm -hmm. a 2-2 means that the life lost through the Phyrexian mana is sort of at parity, so you can, you know, you can get in that damage for as long as you need to uh, without mm -hmm. being at a loss yourself. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what else we got here? Um, I kind of like the Blinding Soul Eater, which is a bit of a weirdo in the cycle, uh, being a 3-mana 1-3, and it has pay a Phyrexian White and tap to tap target creature. So, okay. unlike a more combat-orientated ability, this one's tapping down stuff, and it's giving you a chance to sort of, you know, make the opponent's, um, again, just make the opponent's um, creatures in a bit less of a good position. Mm -hmm. And again, the fact that it's Phyrexian White means you have that flexibility to pay uh, with life to your heart's content or just pay with mana because one mana isn't a big investment <laughs> um, yeah. what, what else we got here Rupert? very solid um, so we also got the insatiable soul eater which is the green one for four, um, for four generic mana you get a 5-1 artifact creature beast with green for X, uh, uh, pay green for X in mana and against trample until end of turn yes. I see this kind of playing out a lot like the Slash Panther, the red one from the previous cycle, where like it's a 4-2 yeah. with haste, this is a 5-1 with trample. You're sort of mm -hmm. using it just to get in a little bit of extra damage just to kind of put pressure on the life total. Yeah. Nothing too much to say. And the last one is the black one, a bit more specific, unfortunately. It's a 5-mana 3-3 that has pay for Exeem Black to give it Infect until end of turn. So realistically, mm. it's probably the least playable of the bunch unless you have Infect as a theme in your cube that you want to push. Otherwise, I don't think Infect just on one thing on its own is really worth it. That said, though, like we're not only doing Infect because of Poison Counters. We can also use this as a pseudo debt weight uh, when we chump block with it. This is also opponent, true. Yeah. Opponent, opponent gets, uh, has a bigger threat. Blo uh, you block it and weaken the threat. This is true. Although for five mana, yeah. I think it's a bit of a big ask. But oh, yeah, absolutely. it does absolutely. definitely have that little bit of extra utility. Um, yeah. So we've kind of gone through a lot of the notable kind of good Phyrexian cards. And there is a couple more that we're not mentioning here, partially because I think they're a bit too narrow or they're just plain not good. But two interesting build-arounds, I think, um, that are kind of fun to discuss here. Mm -hmm. um, we got Crick, Son of Yogmoth, which is a 4 and 3 Phyrexian Black for a 2-2 legendary creature, Horror Minion. Uh, it has lifelink and reads, for each black in a cost, you may pay 2 life rather than pay that mana. Whenever you mm -hmm. cast a black spell, put a 1-1 counter on Crick. So... I think this is a really interesting card to include if you are pushing mono colors in your cube. Crick um, really benefits from heavy black decks, and the fact that you can do things like play a Bolas's Citadel off of him for only three mana <laughs> is nuts, you know. Mm, and yeah. you can start just flipping off the top of the deck, you know. Mm. Even there are just sm even in a more of a aggro deck, like playing a bunch of cheap one drops by playing two life is really strong. And coupling that with lifelink, be it either in, again, mono black or in an Orzhov drain sort of a build, the lifelink and just drain effects in general can help you sort of make up for the life lost, thanks to Crick. Yeah. Um, but there's another more interesting card that we'd like to take a minute to talk about. Rupert, do you want to take this? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> so, um, we're talking about a silverboard count now, um, and in, specifically, we're talking about Spike Tournament Grinder, which is a one-one human gamer for two and two black for uh, for Axiom mana, and it has an activated ability which reads uh, for four um, black for Axiom mana. Choose a card you own from outside the game that has been banned or restricted in a constructive format. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. Yeah. So that's there's, really weird design space. So very weird design. And because it's silver border, there's a bit of wiggle room for leniency with like how you treat oh, this card. Yeah. So yeah. 
First of all, the obvious one here is if you're playing a, car a cube that has a lot of silver border in it, mm -hmm. spike search. Let's assume you drafted sixty. You drafted, you know, a forty-five cards, and you're playing a forty-card deck. You basically have access to your entire sideboard in a silver border cube, which mm -hmm. is powerful in and of itself. Yep. There's the second interpretation of literally a card that you have lying around in your binder if you want to go that way with it. If you want yep. a bit more of a wild west approach. Um, and then there is the implication of this is the only silver border card or one of a very small number of silver border cards in your cube and you want to see how it plays out. So that's kind of the context we're going to talk about it from. So let's say we're playing Spike Turner Grinder in, you know, a vintage cube and we're just going for kind of best of the best cream of the crop. Um, mm -hmm. Outside of things like anti and conspiracy and silver border cards, some of the stuff you can get is things like the Power Nine. You can get Days, you can get Deathrite Shaman, Dig Through Time. There's a bunch of Storm cards you can get with this. True, yeah. Um, like think Hogak, Oko, like think of all the things that have been banned even in just the past year or so. Like Uro <laughs> just got banned. You can, pl you can pull Uro out of your sideboard. Mm. But this comes to the double-edged sword of Spike. If you're fetching a Black Lotus out of your sideboard, why the hell aren't you playing it in your deck? absolutely like so, um very weird design yeah um and also like in worst case in the worst case you're paying for no eight eight life actually for something that you should should have either played main board or that you can put that you potentially cannot cast because um yeah sp spikes are pretty mono black card like like the ceiling of spike is achieved in that mono black well yeah like if you're playing it in a mono black deck you're not just paying eight life for the ability you're playing two for x black to cast it so that's uh what's that six times two that's 12 life mm. you know it's a lot and i would say again like it's a really weird design because again yeah as rupert said why would you not be playing you know Deathrite Shaman. Why would you not be playing Dig Through Time? Why would you not be playing, you know, a Time Vault if you drafted one? And the main utility I think you'll see for this card is, assuming you're playing at main board, that like you go into game one and you realize, oh, my opponent's playing this. I have something in my sideboard that will take advantage yep. of this. Again, it's yeah. a bit weird though. Like I think probably actually we a card we discussed earlier. Um, up at the top, mental misstep would be a great thing to fetch with. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But yeah. then again, you're paying. Let's assuming we're playing life here. You're playing spike on turn two, so the mental misstep is less valuable. So <laughs> it's really unusual. I will say that yeah. much about it. But you could have a lot of fun with it, especially if you are playing it in a silver border environment, or you're playing it where you're allowing someone to be like, "Hey, I'm just going to pull my." time twister out of my commander deck and now it's in my hand so yeah. if you're allowing that sort of style of play then great the mm. only other thing i would think about for doing this and we've discussed this when we talked about wish cards before where you might have a wish booster pack set aside where it's like mm. i've mm. got 15 sick cards that are not part of the cube but are explicitly here for cards like spike cards like booster tutor and things like that where it's like yeah, yeah cool i just got a you know, a booster pack worth of good cards that were banned in previous formats for mm. Spike to pick from. Um, mm. But again, these are you're getting into the realm of custom rules, and that's where your own cube design, your own sort of design philosophies, sort of shape how good this card is. Mm. True. Um, oh, yeah, really cool in, in, interesting one. Interesting I, ha one. I have that T-shirt actually. <laughs> oh yeah, right, right. You do, you do. <laughs> oh, good shit. So, all right, let's then kind of go into the second half of this episode here let's talk about okay. the first few initial spoilers we got for strixhaven it is time so strixhaven is time. the next coming standard set it releases sometime in april and mm. there was a leak earlier in the week which um you know typically we don't discuss leaks on the show but um the leak alluded to there being five colleges of magic in the school and that's all we knew mm. and then wizard themselves came out and released five spoiler cards to show them off. So we wouldn't be discussing this other than the fact that, hey, Wizards said it themselves. So they've sure. released five commands, one for each college. And uh -huh. for those of you who don't know, commands are cards from ye olde days that take the form of choose two of the following options. 
And all of the original commands we saw, like Cryptic Command and Primeval Command and such, were monocolor. But this time, we've got dual colors. So, Rupert, tell us about one of these commands here. Sure thing. So, um, for me personally, uh, the most interesting one would be the Law Hold command, mm -hmm. which is the um, Boros colored uh, instant speed command for three, a red and a white. And uh, it reads choose two, create a three, two red and white spirit creature token, creatures you control get plus one plus zero and gain indestructible and haste on planet turn. Uh, third option would be Law Hold command deals three damage to any target, target player gains three life. And the fourth option would be sacrifice a permanent, then draw two cards. So what I really like about this card is that we're, um, well, at some points at least, leaving classic Boros design space, creating hitty creatures, create, uh, giving them indestructible and haste. Sure, that's basic Boros stuff. But sacrificing permanence to draw cards? That's really neat. That's, that's yeah. very interesting. I love it. And I would expect that out of more like a Rakdos command, you know, like, which there isn't one in the set, but like, that's a really neat design. Um, yeah. If you're, if I'm talking commands, I think probably my favorite one here would be Witherbloom command. Uh, Witherbloom yeah, probably is the best, probably the best. <laughs> possibly the best in the set. It's of the bunch. It's black, one black and one green for a sorcery. Reads choose two. Target player mills three, then you may return a land from grave to hand. Destroy target non-creature, non-land, permanent, with mm. mana value two or less. Target creature gets minus three, minus one until end of turn, and target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So I love this in the sense that it's flexible. It has the ability to remove creatures. It has the ability to remove non-creatures. The mill yeah. is really interesting, and you know the sort of returning a land from your hand, that's very Golgari. And then the drain effect, again, really nice if you want to just close out that little bit of damage or kind of gain that little bit of pressure back. Um, Very true. I like, it's really interesting that they picked minus three, minus one. That's, um, that's evident <laughs> yeah, that this clearly, weird. this clearly used to be minus two, minus two, but then in testing, they're like, oh, that's way too good. <laughs> so yeah. they met it three, one. Yeah, I, th I think the only thing that holds this cart back is that it's a sorcery speed. Definitely, um, that does kind of kick it a little bit. Class. It's just class. Um, one other little thing to note, they have changed some wording. Oh yeah, um, true, true. We're talking second, about mana value now. In the second mode of this, yes, mana value instead of converted mana cost. Mm -hmm. And this is um, a bit of an interesting little take where I'm not sure, I guess it's probably for the sake of work, it'll probably have, maybe it'll have some rules implications brought with it, maybe it'll... It's just for clarity to new players. I'm not quite sure. It's, it's probably just to save some space for more words. Like yeah, converted mana cost is three words. Like more and more wordy with each set. Yeah, especially with the commands. Um, oh, questing beast. <laughs> questing beast. Um, Rupert, go ahead. Run us through another command here. All right. So uh, let's have a look at the is it one, which again is an instance be for one, a blue, and a red. Uh, choose to. Um, Chris Mari command, that's his name, deals two damage to any target. Um, target player draws two cards, then discards two cards. Target player creates a cre uh, treasure token or destroy target artifact. Um, once again, very, very versatile. Um, this can be a shock trapped onto a faithless looting. This mm -hmm. can be a... Um, there's a random. lot going on. Um, I like yeah, to create a treasure <laughs> token as well, the sort of pseudo cost reduction of that, where it now just becomes two mana deal two or two mana draw two discard, two mana bomb an artifact. Like, yeah. that's not bad. I really like yeah. it. Um, I think this might this might see a bit of like construct like commander play and stuff. I think it's got like that sort of nice little bit of modality that we like. Um, yeah, I think it's flexible enough for now. I think, Absolutely. yeah. Um, I think my favorite in terms of flavor is Sliver Quill Command. It, this is the Orzhov Command for two and a white and a black. It's a sorcery that reads, choose two. Target creature gets plus three, plus three, and flying until end of turn. Return mm -hmm. target creature with mana value two or less from grave to battlefield. Mm -hmm. Target player draws a card and loses a life. Target opponent sacrifices a creature. Sorry, target opponent sacrifices a creature. So... I like this for the abilities. They're all, again, rock solid. Returning stuff on the sit mm -hmm. is relevant. Drawing a card. Like, two mana draw a card and get a thing back? Great. Two mana draw a card, sack a creature. Like, you know, that's a, a Chainer's Edict plus a, you know, get two mana worth of stuff back. Sick. Yep. Um, 
I also like it just from the lore perspective because the Silver Quill are actually a essentially like a league of writers. Their magic is all derived from ink. And you can actually see this in the art. The black thing that they are conjuring with is just ink. And I think that's just yeah. a really cool thing, flavorfully. Absolutely. Yeah. And on par for Orzov, um, the little aristocrats that they are. Oh, yeah, um, true, true. What's the last command, Rupert? Uh, so we still have a Simic command to talk about. That is, a um, at instant speed, the Quandrix command. Uh, coming for one generic uh, green and a blue. Choose to return target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. So a nice bounce spell. Counter target artifact or enchantment spell. It has a counter strapped onto it. Put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. Very Simic stuff. And target player shuffles up to three target cards from the graveyards into their library. Hmm. Once again, like a lot of different stuff. It's all um, very reactiony, which is kind of what we'd expect from Simic. Um, the counter artifact or enchantment being very relevant, especially with um, you know the fact that there are art there is enchantment creatures still floating around in standard right now. Um, mm -hmm. Bouncing stuff again on par with Simic. It's kind of what they like to do, and yeah. the shuffle three things in is very interesting. Like is like if if we still had like a Oro floating around, that'd be a really interesting like anti tech for Oro, where it's like actually I'm gonna I'm gonna mm -hmm. bomb your graveyard so you can't escape him. Yep. And then you know two counters is always fine. <laughs> can't complain about that. <laughs> I feel like yeah. that's probably how the spell will be used the most. To be honest, it'll be do the reactionary thing I want and buff my creature. That's pr I feel yeah, like yeah. most of the time it's gonna be that. Yeah. Um, sure. So next thing, this is a really exciting thing for the set. Um, that is. Reprints and um, mm. impact limited play. So there are going to be showcase cards once again in Strixhaven, and I'm not sure if they're calling them. Oh, they had another name for them, but I actually cannot remember. Um, uh, something like relics, or um, I don't remember. So something along that line. Strixhaven um, MTG. But um, point being, unlike the showcases in previous years, where the they've been standard legal cards cards that are in the set these mm. cards are in fact something different these are from the mystical archives what they're calling them um mm -hmm. the we call our mystical yes the mystical archive so okay. there will be one card in every single set slash draft booster pack that is from outside the set oh, these boy. cards are not legal and standard they've got sick art but they will be legal in the draft format. So if you draft these cards or you have them in your sealed pod, you can play them, but you cannot play them in standard. So yeah. um, we've also got two types of these. There is a set of artwork for the for all booster for you know the most booster packs for like English, China, whatever else, and then Japan yeah. has its very own set of art for these. Oh, and for those of you watching the stream, you'll see them on screen now. For the audio listeners. Um, We'll have to do our best describing it. But the Japanese style arts are all very traditional Japanese art. We've got some that are reminiscent yeah. of like traditional mangas with the sort of black and white, very minimalist color palette, whereas others are more like traditional of... Japanese paintings. Yeah, printing. Printings. The more Western art style has a lot more abstract art styles to it, where there is not very clear character. The imagery itself is more shapes rather than simple mm. forms for lack of a better word it's very busy a lot of people would describe it um but they are all very pretty in my opinion and to be honest yeah, they, they remind they me a bit of the uh, the art the art style they used for uh dragon age inquisition when it comes to uh character icons yeah um, that's a that's a very icons. specific one but yes i get it <laughs> <laughs> so um there have been three cards so far revealed for this uh for this archive and mm. they are opt your simple one blue instant scry one draw one uh there is mm. swords to plowshares a white for an instant that reads exile a creature and its controller gains life equal to the power and there mm. is a demonic tutor which is one in a black search for a card put it on top of your deck then shuffle notably mm. they actually changed the wording there so normally they say shuffle your library now they just say shuffle and it's almost going saving space saving, saving space. space yeah 
It also sort of, <laughs> it actually reminds me like of Yu-Gi-Oh, where all of the tutor cards in Yu-Gi-Oh, they don't say shuffle your deck, but it is implied mm. that you shuffle your deck after you tutor. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think um, we also reached that point. <laughs> like that's what it's yeah. um, Wording aside, though, <laughs> we've got some really interesting cards here. And again, they're like with the list that was in these Zendikar set boosters. These are cards that are going to be sort of you know peppered in as a nice surprise and hey if i pull mm -hmm. a demonic tutor out of my you know four quid draft booster i'll be very happy you know absolutely, absolutely. the art's beautiful i mean i'm very excited to see how this goes yeah. i think the japanese cards as well would look wonderful in a eureka deck you know, you've got your ninja oh, deck, yeah, yeah, so you got all this Japanese art going. Yeah, like, yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like, um, I can say for myself that I'm definitely getting some Japanese boosters for these. Because... <laughs> Absolutely, they, oh. look, they look beautiful. Again, <laughs> one so in good. every booster, one in every booster. So, like, even if you're not getting, like, Jesus Christ, like, opt's a an uncommon, sure, but that's a beautiful opt. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> So yeah, I really like it. The fact that like you know, you're, there's going to be just that extra bit of excitement when you open a booster for this. I think that's mm. going to be fantastic. Um, yeah. Also, actually, on the Japanese cards, we didn't say this. It's beautiful art, and it's also art that is not just borderless in the sense of like the extended border. It's borderless, mm. similar to if anyone remembers the unstable and um, yeah, the unstable lands. Or mm. sorry, the un not unstable un un yeah unstable actually yeah it is unstable where the only bit of like black border on the card is the very bottom where the artist copy is and the trademark mm. information. It's really mm. nice. Yeah, so, quite similar to the Zeneca Rising uh, full art pathways. Um, they were also uh, having, yeah like, true a, very a true very minimalistic uh, same border. same vibe yeah they are wonderful so. So, so yeah, this will make draft really exciting too because your your oh, opponent, yeah, will, yeah, opponent yeah. will just out of nowhere pull a sword of plowshares out of out of their hand and just, <laughs> yeah, but your buddy bye. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I really I really like how they found a way to, uh, to put that what made set boosters so exciting into draft boosters without breaking a format. Absolutely. But we have to, in all fairness, so we have to see about that. Um, because... yeah, we will, yeah, we will certainly see. Um, the only other thing to mention, um, we do not know fully the Mystical Archive. Um, we'll have to yeah. figure out uh, what that is. You will also, you will be getting three um, Mystical Archive cards if you are into collector's boosters, but that is um, its own thing. You can find more information about all this on Wizards website where they talk a little bit about the lore behind the five colleges. There will also mm -hmm. be a commander deck in each of these, but we don't really know the details yet. We just know the names of them, that there's the Silver Quill Statement, the Prismari Performance, the Witherbloom Witchcraft, Lorehold Legacies, and Quantum Quandrix. So Quantum we'll have to kind of see what we get from there. So the only thing that we can really say is, like, this is very much <laughs> its own world. Like, I was kind of worried when I heard about Strixhaven that it was just going to be like a Harry Potter-style world, which I'm kind of like, mm -hmm. is... It's been done before. It's kind of there, but like Magic really yeah. seems to put their own twist on it here, which I really like. And of course, yeah. having these extra cards is going to be really fun. Mm. True, true. So, so then, uh, Mister Gaffoy, let's jump to our card of the week. What is the card of the week, Rupert? Um, we are looking at Amanatu, the Fate Shifter. And for those of you who do not play Commander, um, Amanatu, the Fate Shifter is a is an Esper uh, three CMC. Planeswalker, that can be your commander, but that's not relevant for us. Um, comes into play with Loyalty 3, and it's plus one ability is draw a card, then put a card from your hand on top of your library. It's minus one ability is exile another target permanent you own, then return it to the battlefield under your control, and it's minus six is choose left or right. Each player gains control of all non-land permanents other than Aminatu, the Fate Shifter, controlled by the next player in the chosen direction. Right. So, so this does a lot. Um, yeah, and the re the reason why we picked this, um, or why I picked this, is uh, because it's a three-color card. It's, so it has a very, very specific um, mana cost. Mm -hmm. um, but it can be used to reward these three-mana draft decks, uh, three-colored draft decks. Uh, and it does that very, very well because uh, Aminatu supports various archetypes. Yeah. Um, there is the Blink archetype that can be filled by the Azorius color pairing. Um, there is the uh, Top Deck archetype. That's a very blue thing to do. Um, 
Yep. Exchange and like of permanent night stuff and uh, night stuff in red. Uh, not red. Uh, black. <laughs> yeah, and even um, that, like, I really love how. Um, you know, that minus six is kind of almost like a board wipe in a sense, where like you're just in the case of a two player game, be, you're just yeah. swapping you're just swapping the, the board. Mm. Um I really like that. Um yeah, the theft effect kind of it's a very interesting effect here. And then yeah. even at that, like just a three mana planes that draws you a card, yeah, that's not bad. I mean, yeah. set up your next turn with like a miracle spell or something. It's got a lot uh -huh. going on here. Or if you've got fetch lands in a more high-powered environment, the fact that you're putting a card back on top mightn't matter because you can just shuffle it away. Yep. All in all, really solid. The only downfall, again, being that, like, despite it being a three-mana Planeswalker, you're asking for one of each of its colors, which is yeah. quite tough. But, again, it rewards a a cube, that, either a cube that has an excellent mana base or... It rewards, you know, it it makes itself not too format warping if you're in a lower power environment because it's demanding mm -hmm. having exactly these colors on turn three. It or, just sits in a very nice spot. Yeah, like I think it's one of the few three mana planeswalkers where you can kind of say, like, you know what, this isn't completely busted. It's doing a very reasonable thing, but can be mm -hmm. broken if given the environment to do so. Yeah. True, true. All right. That's a sweet little card, and hey, if you're building a commander cube, don't forget about that last line. Aminadu can be your commander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, also, canonically, the youngest planeswalker in the multiverse. This is a... She looks like a zombie child, and to be honest, I'm terrified of moths, and she's got just a bunch of them flying around her, so uh, insectophobes uh, may want to steer clear of this card. <laughs> yeah, I, are you sure about that youngest part, though? Because I, I can't imagine that she's like thousands of years old. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. She's either the youngest or the oldest. <laughs> you know, she's got that Japanese uh, anime thing of like, oh, the character looks twelve, but they're actually fifty million years old. Wow. But anyway, with that though, let's take a moment just to let you know what's coming in the next episode because we actually are having another interview with a wonderful, wonderful man in the community. We're going to be joined by Ancestral, whoop, whoop. the man behind MTG Design. So if any of you have any questions for Ancestral, send us an email at thefrogdragon at gmail.com. Hit us up on Discord or on our Patreon or on Twitter at gitmizit so you can figure out what and what to ask Ancestral. If you've got any custom cards of your own, send them in and we can maybe critique some of them on the show with Ancestral. You know, then send us in cards you found someone make and be like look at this dumb card and see how it goes. Be it memes, be it actually playable cards or something in between. Let us know what you think about custom cards and some stuff we should ask Ancestral next week. But with that, I've been Bagel Foil. I've been Rupert Thank you very much for listening. Absolutely, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>